Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. My name's Tom Botel and I'm joined by Jordan Weimer once more. Again, there's no Matt. He's getting the Ryan Andrews treatment for another week. Jordan, how are you? How was your weekend, sir? Yeah, yeah, doing very well. Um, as you said, the numbers indicate Matt's got to stay out for at least one more game. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll be back in no time, I'm sure. That's it, absolutely. In the meantime, the fans are clamouring for him as we fool around at right back between us. Um... Oh dear. So, 1-0 win at Rotherham United. It wasn't a classic, it wasn't pretty, and it feels like a lot of the themes that came up after this one, I have to admit, I've only seen the highlights, I was at another match on Saturday, are a bit of a rinse and repeat of the same old topic. So I'm going to go straight to the point and say and ask you this. If you were in charge, you're not Gino, you're not Scott, you're not prejudiced by what we know of them and how they work, you're the owner of this club, you are yourself. Do you stick or twist at this point? Uh, with the head coach? With um, the head coach. I'm I'm sticking. You know, I think that there have been some issues obviously, you know, it's not been it's not been perfect, of course, but what I will say is there's been a lot going on, a lot for the head coach to deal with, a lot of deficiencies in, in multiple areas. Um you know, some, some some relatively chaotic behind the scenes things. You've got some player issues, personnel issues, um, power issues above him in, in the recruitment side of things, technical directors and so on. It's an extremely difficult place to, to be a head coach at. And I think considering that, considering what he's had at his disposal, I don't think he's doing badly at all. Um, there are things he could do better on. I, I think he's obviously should be, um, he should be open to a level of criticism. I don't think he would, wouldn't be. Um, I think he could probably admit himself there are things that have been done perhaps incorrectly or with hindsight could have been done differently. But, you know, he, he's keeping the team competitive, which has a lot of, 
a lot of, a lot of positives, but also a lot of negatives too. It's a very mm. imbalanced situation for him to work with. So, you know, I, I think that I think there's been a recent run. Of, this recent kind of run has been a little bit um, demoralizing, I think, for the fan base. But I, I do think that if we were to, you know, try and twist, uh, we could find ourselves really kind of understanding what job or what a good job under the circumstances Ismail is currently doing. Mm. Okay, good, fair enough. So I asked you that because we've got we had a few questions in last week that we didn't get around to that all kind of pertain to the manager's situation, head coach's situation, and another one as well today. So I thought it was quite interesting because they all kind of span uh, different sections of the the scale, I suppose, on that front. So first one here from Nick at Nick Core. The question I really want to ask for the next one is why you think our support seems to be so quick to turn on the manager and the team. Is it just that we've got used to the Pozzo fire and I'll hire and fire, or are all fan bases like this? What do you think? And then I'll chip in as well. Um, I think there's an element that we've been conditioned to that somewhat. Yeah, I, I think there is. I think it's hard to not um, think of that as a factor. Um, mm. I think also too we know that it's an option, a vi- an option that seems viable to the ownership. So it seems something that could be a likely possibility to change things. We've had some success in doing it, obviously, in the past, but when, when it felt more regulated, more um, controlled with a plan, I think the in, in recent years it's been almost you know pretty disastrous when we've done so for the most part. So I'm not entirely sure that um, I'm not entirely sure that it's something we we should do or shouldn't. But it's one of those things that I think the fan base just become very used to. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's tough though. I think there's also an element of. Um, you know, we we talked about it before, but just the easiest thing to change, isn't it? You know, you can't yeah. you can't strip out the squad, you can't do all these things, and you you want to just kind of roll the dice, and it feels like we're at that point where it's just you know rolling the dice over and over again, which I I don't feel any comfort in personally. But no. what about you? What no, I quite agree, and I think you hit upon the key thing there. It's the easy thing to change, isn't it? We know we've got a thin squad, so it's not even like you can go you know, reach into the recesses of the squad and go, who's completely out of the picture that might come in and change it or who's injured and and working their way back. Really, the only one that might change it in that respect and will come on to him, of course, is Emmanuel Dennis. The squad is fit, by and large. Uh, Bio's obviously got a little injury as well. But that's it. It's 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 the easy answer. And I do think there's a kind of football societal aspect to it as well that we just see teams other than Watford and fan bases other than our own make changes call for changes you know look at today's news Michael Beale leaving Sunderland he was very for different reasons but very unpopular from pretty much the word go when you replace Tony Mowbray and he's he's out after nine weeks in the National League um, Eastley appointed their third manager of the season today and I'm sure there are plenty of other examples up and down the country of clubs not just our own that make changes fairly frequently but we just kind of feel it more um we just feel it more don't we um so yeah i think i think there's a a big a big part of that um yeah i think also we don't get great access to we don't get a great access to understanding where the the head coach is where the head coach sits in the hierarchy of things, we don't really. We, we've been told there's been there's more power allocated to the head coach this year, and we've we've had we've seen some things to indicate that, but we don't really know how comfortable he is or isn't. So it kind of changes the the feeling of whether we don't really know how likely it is or not as much as we had previously, perhaps, which maybe mm. plays into it somewhat. But um, 
That's a really good point, actually, isn't it? The the fact that he's part of this recruitment and they've given him kind of more say than anyone else, does that give him a level of insulation that perhaps others just haven't had when they've been the head coach and that is it? Potentially, and it's, it's tough to say. And, you know, the, the involvement he has in recruitment, I find really difficult because I, I, I don't feel... At, at the beginning, it felt like it was an addition. You know, like it was just a way to include... The head coach more and I thought it was weird we had to articulate that I, I, I wouldn't really think that he'd be given too much more power than mm. than what we normally would but now it almost feels like somewhat of necessity because we have really trimmed down that team that's you know looking towards building um, a squad kind of longer term apart from you know apart from Ismet I mean if you look at who's involved currently in that department it really Ismail is kind of the longest oh, by contract situation, kind of the longest term fixture mm. in that sense, isn't he? You know, he's the one with the five year deal. Nani don't anticipate being there. I know Giretti just signed a new contract. It was a quite I think relatively short term contract, but that happened. Manga's gone. So really you're looking at Ismail as being potentially one that's having more of an influence as the longer t- from the perspective of a longer term picture, which is, you know, the complete reversal of where we've been with head coaches before and you know we, we've talked about them here i'm not a massive fan of a head coach having a huge say in in the in the individual that he wants i think you know mm. being clear and presenting what he needs um in terms of characteristic characteristics and you know different profiles of player but you know going out there and identifying we know how much work he does there was a a video the other day just of him saying how he's at the training ground from 5 5 a.m to 6 p.m a lot of the time you don't need to throw him watching multiple games and you know players that may or may not sign let alone trying to find and identify these players we're not you know recruitment's not a thing of just under of just thinking about the players you're already aware of and, and looking at them a little bit more you've got to kind of unearth these guys and look in look in these different markets we're a team that looks in, in lots of different markets to try and bring players in this man's not got time for that really he should be just able to be presented with a you know a short list of guys and a, a, a package in front of him to go over and kind of assess himself and give his input and and see what he thinks of the player that's fine but you know hopefully that's what we're doing um but yes yeah, so it's a very difficult situation again it, it kind of comes down to that lack of real clarity and understanding exactly how things are structured um at, at Watford right now no absolutely right so the next question on this kind of sliding scale of support for the manager comes from alan at him hornet 1881 why do you think a lot of our fans think that if you criticize the manager you're automatically backing the pot size why can't you be allowed to have a balanced view and not want val sacked but still think he's got a lot to answer for and actually before putting the running order together today I tweeted something a little bit kind of similar to this yesterday from my own account about the kind of binary nature of this. So I'll, I'll posit my theory and then you can you can jump in, which is yeah. which is this, which is social media being the echo chamber it is and the kind of, you know, 24-hour rolling news, all these news sites, people covering Watford, websites covering Watford, whatever, generates a constant need for more and more extreme views and we'll come on to one in a minute. Um such that it's it no longer becomes enough to be balanced you have to be you know go the other way i think and i tweeted that it's fine to want ishmael to stay but potso to go it's fine to want ishmael to go and potso to stay it's fine to want both of them to go it's fine to want both of them to stay there are you know myriad different ways of supporting your team and different views to take on how things are run i don't think it has to be 
a case of this means that and that means the other it can be exactly what kind of you know configuration you want and and what and that extends to how you how you support your team as well i think the other thing and i always say i might always manage to squeeze it into every episode one way or another but i think you've also got to take into account that twitter you know the watford twitter sphere you, there are certain voices and names and i recognize them that kind of come up more loudly than others they've got bigger followings they get served to your timeline regardless whether you follow them or not you know that that alone is only representative of a small proportion of the what for fans on twitter and that mm. twitter following is only representative of a certain um portion of what for fan base overall but it is representative in some respect what what do you say yeah, I mean, that's, that, those are good points, definitely. I think for me, it's also comes down to a lot of the time and an oversimplification of the issues um, themselves. You know, if you if you kind of come down on one side or the other too stringently, I, I don't think it's a, a black or white issue right now. I think no. it's very much a lot of grey area. Um, so you, if, if you really look at it with and take some time to look into the reasons as to why these things are happening or aren't happening, it's hard to come out with it without having questions from from all areas and you know maybe feeling some positive and negatives across the board it's not it's not really sitting on the fence it's just trying to have like a, a well-rounded understanding of what's going on um so i think most people that do take the time to um like educate themselves and i know alan's one of those as well but you know having that that, that interest and that kind of understanding or, or at least trying to put yourself in those different mindsets and looking at it from multiple uh, multiple perspectives gives you a little bit more of a uh, a balanced view you know you can, as he said you can you can criticize this now i think we have yeah we've maybe been a bit more positive than some but you know i think we've i think for the most part you know you, you can see the problems you should you should definitely better discuss it and there have been issues but these aren't it doesn't make him irredeemable you know he, these aren't write him off but we can ease as i said in, ter- in terms of simplification we can easily just kind of boil it down and we've seen plenty of people say oh ismail's shit you know and, and that's just uh it, it's such a reductionist view there's no yeah. description of, it's just you know just stating their opinion without any reasoning behind it well okay that's fine but is that really a reason to sack him because a few people think that or, or the opposite or think he's great well you know you can you can provide some some reasoning if you really want to argue that um you know i think i think also that the the, the Pozzo situation itself has become so divisive you know he's such that that hot topic that people become associated with a side of that de- with that debate and they just really kind of nail down on that and, and don't really shift a lot of the time you know you see people that want him to stay and there's, there's some really strange comments in regards to to the positives as, as, as you know what he's done for the club and i've seen some weird tweets just you know discussing or saying you know we should be looking at this as a reason he should stay without getting into specifics and i've been pretty vague but the point is when someone is on such a strong side of it most of the time it's not particularly reasoned if it mm. is then that's you know I, I, you can entertain the argument at least if there's some some explanation or some kind of showing of the working uh, the kind of showing out showing <laughs> of the work how you got there um maybe but it's not enough of it maybe that's part because twitter is a, a kind of short short tweet kind of back and forth platform but you know it's not always but it's a good question i think it's one that people have to be more sympathetic of um people that have differing but also mixed opinions it doesn't have to be yeah. so one way or the other yeah no absolutely agree i think you've nailed it there so the final one on this kind of topic and we've been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks just waiting for the right time to to bring it up because we do try and put all these questions to the floor 
uh, comes from Rupert at Uncle Ron Senior, and I'm sure you can imagine, you can kind of guess which direction this is one's heading in. Uh, why should the horrendous owner mean that Ismail must be back regardless of his public statements, such as saying that it's he who wanted a small squad, his complete refusal to play a front two, the dire home form, and the wretched style of football? I think the examples there are not things that we need to go into. Those are just things that Rupert takes umbrage with but I think that's the kind of more extreme end of the scale saying because um, the owner is bad Ishmael must be back regardless not necessarily the, the case I don't think I think a lot of people you know can would separate the two and say these are the reasons that I, I am personally backing Valerian Ismail and, and these are the reasons that I am personally pro or against um, Pozzo but what, what, what do you make of that one it's it's the eternal well, debate, I think, I think, at the moment. Yeah, and I think, you know, as as Rupert starts off there, you know, talking about the owner, and I think with with Ismail, the difficulty, the, the difficulty with judging head coaches, as we've said before, is always there's so much of their work, so much of their influence and input goes on behind the scenes, and we get to see very little of the work they do. We get to see some of the outcome, but we don't always get to see the external factors that are applying that pressure both positively and negatively on the coach on the coaching staff as a collective what we do know is we have as again as Rupert said there at the beginning we do have an owner that is that can be very difficult to work with and also put you in some really difficult situations that we don't always hear about so I don't think Ismail should be um, absolved from any sort of comment or or kind of um, criticism, or you know, positive, or you know, or even just positive feedback or negative. But he, mm. I, I think to to diminish or to underestimate the amount or the impact that Gino can have on the managerial situation, it, it, it it's not it's not really going to get you the full answer. Um, I don't think that if we had a different coach, they would be able to deal with the circumstances much better. Um, in terms of his like you know I, I, there are times that he said things which I find strange you know I think mm. the, the thing about the small squad I think is is, is a little odd I, I don't necessarily take it from him as a diplomatic response to save his job which I think maybe Rupert does more kind of feel that he's a bit of a yes man which I've seen a few mm. say the same thing and you know I don't have I don't have direct proof that he's not in that capacity my interpretation of it is he's, is a little bit more about protecting the um, the group of players that he's got currently as opposed to um, you know, criticize or calling out and saying how kind of thin his squad is. I think everyone knows that. I think in private conversations, there's a good chance that he'd be kind of fighting that corner. I I know for a fact they wanted more reinforcements. That the coaching staff wanted those those players brought in in the summer and January. So what he says in the media situation, mm. we know with any head coach, no matter how honest you claim them to be, the thing they say to the media is not always going to be a hundred percent their their viewpoint there's going to be nuance there that you have to kind of interpret how you can um but yeah what about you no i agree i think that's a really i think that's a really good point the um you know what they say externally versus what they say internally it creates far more of a story and far more of an unsettling kind of situation if he comes out and says yeah i'm really pissed off we didn't sign x y and z and you know we've seen it with watford head coaches in the past haven't we was it um Marco Silva was pretty Mazzari. chippy about not getting. I uh, was Mazzari as well. Was pretty chippy about Both, not yeah. getting what he wanted. Somebody else as well was it? Was it Ivic who was fairly routinely used to complain that he hadn't been given what? Am I, I may be misremembering that, but there was another one in that era that wasn't particularly 
successful or diplomatic um you know there, there's a difference and also i think you know you look at people like harry redknapp you know he's one of the first to come out and just shoot from the hip wasn't he? And he obviously had a long and very successful managerial career but i don't think it did you know the players or, or kind of his relationship with the the hierarchy at some of the clubs he managed any good when he would come out and say oh you know we're down to the bare bones we need players putting two goalkeepers on the bench to prove a point and stuff like that sometimes you do have to just toe the party line a little bit um which as you say i think is probably what you know rupert's accusing ismail of doing but i think there's there's a bigger kind of picture at play there um but there's no just to re- wrap up there's no kind of obligation to to back him just because the owner has done things that we disagree with and i think you know for all our differences rupert and i and the, all the times i quibble with him on on twitter i think we both are fairly aligned in the fact that we want a change of ownership um but i think i would say taking a step back and looking at the whole piece there is more good than bad under ishmael if you just look at the the football side of things and i'm with everything we've gone through to this point i'm comfortable with that will it be enough to you know sate me forever no but for the time being i yeah i'm 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 okay with it I also just don't think in in that specific situation. I don't think Ismail complaining publicly does hit does anything no. towards improving the the situation of the squad. I think if you if you're weighing it up and saying you know what's the pros and cons, well, you know pros you might you might please a couple of fans that that feel the same, or you know a, a couple of fans are maybe not fair. You might please the fan base by saying publicly what they're thinking, but you know what does that do to other negative impacts in the squad? You know potentially there are. Um, that ultimately that's the most important thing to him and I think that's one thing we have to give him credit for and again it's anecdotal we don't have the direct evidence but even just from stuff that I and, and others that I speak to have heard you know there is a level of um, uh, consistent opinion that things do feel better within the camp which I think we can't underestimate how much of a negative that was Whether that's just one thing we had to solve there are bigger things we have to solve that are yet mm. to be unsolved but it doesn't take away from the fact that it is something that has improved and has changed so you know, it's tough, and this is again. This is why it's so hard to analyze. It's so hard to judge. And it's so hard to have a real, solid opinion on when things are working, and when they're not, because we're making these judgments based off, you know, very varied and and and, and hard to you know information that's hard to come by at times. So, it's it's a tough one. Like I have sympathy for everyone that that I, that I see arguing a lot of the time on Twitter and so on, because you know you know that everyone's kind of coming to it, coming into it with a the ultimate feeling they want the club to do well and they just have different ideas of what's causing it to struggle right now that's all it is I think as well and spent longer on this than I meant to but it's what it's a debate worth having the the reset that we were kind of promised prior to this season um you know for the 22-23 season didn't really happen it's happened albeit kind of I think the hand has been forced somewhat but it's happened this season and we've knocked so much of how it all works and how the team works and the club works down it isn't going to happen overnight. You know, you can't, Rome wasn't built in a day kind of attitude to, you know, to apply a cliche to it. It's taking time. So if the success of this season is that the squad is smaller and younger and hungrier and wants to be here, which which Duxbury said, I think, didn't he, for the first time, everybody wants to be here. And um, Ismail is, is judged almost as much on 
rebuilding the culture, set resetting the culture, discipline, and a style of play, and that in and of itself is a separate debate. Then, and the football kind of you know obviously has to come out above all else in importance, but the football is also you know a part of that. Then I think I think that can be a successful season for us in the circumstances. But obviously a lot of this happens behind closed doors and, you know, some people have got good sources and know things. A lot of us, myself included, do not have good sources behind the scenes to know if that sort of thing is happening and if that work is happening. We just have to take it from a very small kind of window on a Saturday or a Tuesday, don't we? So it's a, yeah, it's a lot of guesswork true. as well. It's a lot of guesswork as well. It is, it is. It is a lot of guesswork, and you know, I think we. I think I think it's fair to say we should all go in very sceptical with anything we've been told for for the remainder of oh, this ownership. Absolutely, you know, we've, we've 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 had faith at times. You know, he had the benefit of the doubt for a while, and now we're at a stage where it doesn't. So, you know, I'm personally not confident there's any sort of rebuild going on. I don't think we're able to commit so fully um, to to something which feels so costly in the short term. You know, we we saw how quickly we 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 moved away from the Edward situation and. And even the manga situation too. I just don't think we really have the stomach for it. So I, I don't believe we will do that. I think we're kind of going to be coasting a little bit and just trying to keep our heads above water, water for a while, unless there is some big change, whether that be change of ownership directly or that it be um, a, a sufficient level of investment which gives you that confidence that it could be a little bit more, uh, a little bit quicker in terms of re- rebuilding things and, and turning things around. Because at the moment we are a bit of a cruise ship turning around. You know, we're, we're not the most mm. light on our feet in regards to. Um, to how long it's going to take to, to put us in a very different situation, especially when you look at, you know, parachute payments dried up, assets, saleable assets. You know, you look at this, the, you look at twelve months from now, where are those saleable assets going to be? A lot of that's depending on the the recruitment that comes in this summer, and you know, that potentially being something you can sell on. But I don't think many of us have a, a great deal of faith that we're able to identify these players like we we have been able to in the past. No, you're absolutely right. Well, moving on then from the bigger picture. To the the more uh, the less important stuff, the one the one nil win over Rotherham at the weekend um, was this a case of simply a case of just getting the result and stopping getting the win and stopping the rot after a few pretty pretty poor weeks for performances. Yeah. Uh, sorry, results rather than performances. Yeah, I think look, it wasn't it wasn't a great game. It, it wasn't a great game. Obviously, uh, I've seen quite a lot of, quite a lot of negativity around it. You know, I think. I, I get there's a little bit of frustration. I think it's, it's another not great performance, which doesn't help. But it, what I will say in the positives, it was a bad, bad, bad pitch, bad conditions, um, tough thing to play against in in that environment. I think this it was not ideal circumstances. The weather wasn't great either, um, which sounds a little bit soft, but it's a factor. Um, having said that, you know there were some performances of the players as well. I think the back line as a whole. I thought even Tom Dilley Bashiru included in that. Um, even at times, Jamal Lewis, but the, the, the two center back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, and also Serie A to midfield, I thought, put in a really good effort. Um, they were quite determined and dogged throughout, which you know, I think we've lacked in, in previous years, definitely. So I, I appreciate that aspect of the performance. Um, obviously, the finish as well from Espria, you know, really, really good. And it was that little bit of quality that made a difference. So, And also the fact that we, we won. So you know, it's, it's not all bad. Um, it, it, it wasn't as that wasn't an amazing performance, but there are positives to take from it. Having mm. said that, again, there are some concerning aspects that have just kind of continued on for the last few games, really, which you can't eradicate that either. It's They're definitely there. Um, and, and areas that need to be addressed, I, I think. No, absolutely. Let's start with one of the changes that we saw. Sierra coming into the team and playing at the base of midfield. Was this just a case of, of resting Livermore? And how did he get on? I think it was. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was wondering, you know, I saw it prior to kick-off, I was thinking, OK, is this, is this an attempt to to kind of change our approach and make a tactical change to, to look at, you know, holding the ball a little bit more, not just holding it, but being a little bit quicker in possession through the middle. Serialta is not the perfect fit, but I was really impressed with him early, early on, how he was able to occupy that role and, and, and give you a decent tempo. His positioning is good um, uh, in terms of receiving the ball. It's better than Jake in that in, in that area. Um, getting onto it quickly and, and playing through, through the lines is quite good at. So I was, I was hoping that maybe it was a little bit of a shift in that regard. I don't think it was. I think it was most likely um, down to, to fitness and rotation. Um, he, he brought some of that to the game, but it, it was very much, or it was closer to what Livermore um, offers you. You know, he was quite solid, actually. I think he did quite well. Um, he bounced the ball mm. nicely in there. Um, he was winning fouls. You know, he, was, he, was, he, he wasn't just losing the ball. He was making sure he, he kind of retained it for as much as he could um, yeah I thought he was absolutely fine as I said off the ball he worked really hard you know, he's not he's not the most mobile he looks awkward in space but he's still doing the job and you know, credit to him he is getting involved he's getting back in the box he's winning headers he, he looks very what I will say about Serie A today is he you can tell he feels the responsibility of the position he looks very switched on he's he's really he's trying his best and I, and I respect that he's um, he's doing pretty well in there when called upon so yeah I was, I was quite pleased with his performance actually Good. 13 of 15 defensive actions were successful. That's the, probably the upside of that. And then 11 out of 22 passes completed, which when only three of the, uh, uh, sorry, when he only completed three forward passes, rather suggests a bit of wastefulness there. But um, yeah, yes, probably the game to bring him in for, right? Big 
lump again in a physical game against a Rotherham team that are struggling, poor conditions, poor pitch, as you say. He not that Livermore isn't physical, but I think he gives you something else and can probably, you know, spend a bit of time dropping in to help out defensively as well. On the subject of big lumps, we've done uh, poor old Miletta Ryavish as a seamless link to death. Um, what really seemed to get up supporters' noses on Saturday, listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, Twitter space was his inability to win his aerial duels. About 50% of them he won by the looks of it, varying different stats out there or different figures for that particular metric out there. What What's this down to? Is this... A technical thing is this a timing thing physicality confidence all of the above is this, essentially is it something that can be coached or is he just absolutely crap in the air for a, a long tall chap i mean it's all about i think the the biggest thing with miravic is he's just not he's just not a good athlete at all and it's it's, yeah. it's, it's such a shame he he's he doesn't have any burst he's not got any power um he, he doesn't have the speed doesn't have the mobility doesn't have the strength it's just He's just kind of a bit awkward and gangly, and it just doesn't really work. You know, there's a few occasions where, you know, if you look at the individual actions, you look at the headers, it's, it's not even just kind of long balls forward that he's not being able to jump up for, and the centre back's got the advantage and jumps through him. There's times where it's, you know, a, a throw in, for example, and he's got his back into the centre back, and he just gets brushed aside. There's just no mm. contest. He's kind of leaning into the centre back, and the centre back just kind of takes the lean and gets a foot in, and, and, and the play continues. So, you know, aerial duels is one thing, but just all physical duels, I feel like he's, he's just second best off. And, you know, he doesn't make up for that, that lack of physicality and the lack of use of his size with, you know, that, that quick, sharp burst to get away either. There's a there's one occasion, again, where he kind of had the opportunity to get through and you just know he's not going not gonna to make it. And you can have the technical ability and, and, and the skill can, can elevate you above above lack of physical assets, but he doesn't really have that either. So it's... It's tough, you know. In terms of actual heading, he's he's a good header of the ball when it comes to getting shots away. He's got a good eye for goal. He's got good instincts. He knows how to get a shot off, and he's he's quite good. And you get the ball to his feet in those positions, obviously. But man, the rest of his game is just it. It, it it's unfair to him. I feel like we're playing. He's playing at a standard that's just too high at this point, and you know maybe he can adapt to it. But he's he's not looking. He's not looking comfortable to me at all. Obviously, we're a little bit... We're stuck for now, right? He's one of two out-and-out strikers at the football club. The other one is injured. We're out of the transfer window. What do you think What do you think his future in, in terms of Watford? Um, you know, where does it point? What, what happens this summer? Do they try and move him on for good? Do they loan him out? Or, or do yeah. they stick completely? What do you reckon? I don't know. I really don't know. I would, I would love to ask Val what he... You know, yeah. what he actually thinks of him. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um you know, if we loan him out it's just a, a temporary solution until we can actually sell him. I think that just, you know, shows our intention to get rid of him permanently. If we can get rid of him permanently we might, especially there's an offer that comes in that that for some reason gets us more if people are just kind of not doing the homework and seeing the seeing the goals he scored, they might think it's worth a go and, and perhaps put a bit of a bid in. But I don't. I don't really see a future. You know, if I was if I was the head coach now, I'd be looking at alternatives already. You know, I understand there's maybe a reason why Dennis didn't play this game. Perhaps the the poor performance he, he put um, against Norwich when he came off the bench. But I'd be looking at other options. You know, I, I think that we've got better striking options that are playing different positions in the pitch right now. We, we're moving these players around too much, and we've got lots of square pegs and all that. But I just don't think he offers you enough, and I, I think it will cost you games. And I, I think a different striker in that team 
would have perhaps given you that opportunity to to make this more of a comfortable win. Not necessarily because they're going to be a better threat in the box and the ball gets to them, but we're not even creating these opportunities for Ryovic often enough. So we have to we have to find ways to be flexible. And he just really doesn't. He, he is carrying a body at times, and it's it's very mm-hmm. difficult to to compensate for. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. As I said, I feel I feel bad for him, and it's it, it's a tough one. But you know, I think next year, I think striker is going to be a, a it's probably going to be the biggest Has position to be, of doesn't need. It? In a lot of ways, yeah, I think so. And you know, you you have something returning in Shaq Ford potentially, but um, Ravic, I don't know. It, it it's just another indictment of how scattered and random and you know potentially poor our recruitment has been recently. So yeah, I I don't know. I wasn't that's the thing. confident on that. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? When you think how little money we spent, relatively speaking, this summer, he was the big outlay, even if he is cheap in the scheme of kind of championship strikers. So you're putting a lot of your eggs in that basket and to get it so badly wrong, really, really, you know, I'm not saying we need to know who did it so that we can hang them out to dry, but there should be some serious, you can't get every chance to write, of course, but there should be some serious kind of reflection on that, how we came to reach that decision to spend 1.3 million or whatever it was on him, which again, I appreciate is cheap in, in the scheme of things, you know, bloody hell, Nathan Ellington was a cock up and he cost us three and a quarter million 15 years ago, but you know what I mean? So he is cheap, yeah, yeah. cheap in inverted commas. Not that I've got 1.3 million to chuck around on a footballer, but yeah, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty damning. Uh, it's gotta be said. Um, you mentioned Emmanuel Dennis there got four minutes this week coming on for Lewis at the end. I think, Probably not his game to come into in the sense of defending, backs to the wall, horrible conditions. Rotherham have got a few big boys. Sean Morrison was up from the back and seemed to be getting his nut on everything at that stage. He's probably not the player you want to introduce to to see out that win. But at what point, I have to ask, is this loan just a write-off, not fit for purpose? Because, you know, we're a month on from signing him virtually and... We've got kind of cameos out of him and and of mixed, mixed input, impact. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, after after the Ryovic performance against Rotherham, if, if, I I think maybe there was an element of punishment for Dennis, or kind of you mm. know this is where you stand right now in, in regards to the the Norwich game and and so on. But if, if after that one, if you don't if you don't really strongly consider playing Dennis centrally for the last few or the next few games, um, especially while Bio is out, then he really can't have it. Might, it has to be a bust because we need help there. We have someone that's capable. He, he has got quality. You know, he can he can perform in that position. It seems like a no brainer to me. I think the fitness thing is 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 one aspect, but he he's ready to play some minutes now. And we're at a point where even if he wasn't able to play the whole game for whatever reason, you just got to start someone that, that's capable of doing something a little bit different. He he's there waiting on your doorstep. So. If if we don't start to see him very very soon, even this game, I would feel like then it definitely is a, a strong, a strong indication of where he is valued and how he's valued by the by the current head coach. Mm. Perhaps more surprising than the the substitution stakes was taking off Ismail Kone. What was the kind of thinking there? If you put yourself in Val's position, and 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 how did that kind of work out with Chak coming on? 
I mean, Shaq Fatazzo was actually good when he came on. I think mm. I, I really liked Shaq Fatazzo. He gave you, he gave us some energy when he came on. Um, no complaints about him it, himself. I, I think there must have been a, a concern just for for fitness fatigue. You know, he's had a he's been carrying a bit of a calf injury. He almost came off in the last game, so you have to assume it's that because from a tactical perspective, there's no reason you take Coney off. He was he's so important to us, and he was important in that game as well. No one wanted to take Coney off. I think it would be extremely surprising to find that it was a decision based on um yeah from a tactical perspective uh, I, I don't see any any chance of that really he's he's just too important for us if he could play every minute of every game i'm sure he w- i'm sure we would have him do so mm. we've got one two more questions sorry one came in just before we start recording from nick lansing at toast haiku and he got it in just in time so it's an interesting question to ask actually which is this. Can you please explain or justify the criticism of Ishmael's roster selections? Maybe I'm too kind, but I think he's dealing with a limited roster and tired players. It's not like he's starting Ryevich over Richarlison or Erling Haaland. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question because it's, it's one of the things that's really got people kind of quite uppity, I think, in in recent times. And I think, to be honest, Nick's probably, you're probably right. There's There is a limited kind of uh, Rostad, that made me pricked my ears up, so to speak, and I looked and realised that you're based in the states, which I hadn't realised. Um, he has got a limited squad. I think there's there's no getting away with it. I think the big one, obviously, is Tom Deli Bashira, isn't it? We we were kind of prepared and primed for Sierra Alta coming in and, and being considered a number six this season, but Tom Deli Bashira is really the one uh, that that kind of makes little sense to a lot of people, and we've done that to death. We saw Tom Ince. A little bit a left back on on Saturday, um, which kind of came, or at least sort of appearing there, which kind of came out of nowhere. But I think, to be honest with you, the uh, overarchingly, I don't, I don't think he could be doing a lot different. Someone was going to have to deputise and or rotate and job share with with Andrews while Ngakia was injured, and it's Tom Delibashiri that he's picked upon, and I think. Jordan, you said before there are some good things that he gives you from that position, even if the kind of defensive side of it isn't one of them. What what did you make of Nick's question, Nick's point there? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Nick's actually pro- Nick actually might be potentially the closest Watford fan to me. Actually, it's only about a four hour drive away from me, which is only um, close by. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, in regards to the criticism, yeah, but I think it is difficult for him. He does have a small squad. There's lack of options at times. We don't know the full extent of players' health uh, going into games and you know, during the game as much as, as we'd like to. So, yeah, he, he is a little bit limited. It depends what the criticism is. Obviously, you know, some might be a little bit more formation or shape-based and trying different things. Some might be a, a situation like you brought up there with... Uh, with Deli Bashir, Tom Deli Bashiru and Andrews, where clearly we have a preference of as, as who we'd like to have in there. And you know, he's been asked about that and kind of stated his reason as to why um, Andrews isn't playing. So, yeah, I think if, if again, like I kind of touched on earlier, if, if you're too specific or if you're really bent out of shape about some of the selection, but not factoring in those things, then you're kind of missing a little bit of the, of the real situation, I think. So tough situation for the coach. And then maybe there's been times where players have been available we've, we've not we've questioned that selection I think maybe more at the beginning of the season when our squad was a little fitter we had a few more options in there you know we talk about Reese Healy potentially was one that we were questioning for a while why he's not playing you know when we've had both Bio and Rajovic we've maybe questioned why one of the others not playing 
um, but right now we're kind of almost bare bones. So it's 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 tough to see the the justification at this point of the season where we currently stand, at least. Absolutely. Final question for today comes from Adam at A double Y two hundred. Let's catch you one. Who is about to collect his 10th yellow card? So which centre-backs would you play during his two-game absence? Also, do you think Tom Deli Bashir is improving? I was quite pleased with his game on Saturday personally. And you said something similar about TDB at right-back on, on Saturday earlier, didn't you? At the top of the show, you thought he, he did all right there on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, and I think he did okay. Yeah, he was he was decent. He's like, he's not perfect. He's not going to be a perfect fit there. He's, he's kind of filling in, but... It was. It was. I'd say his, I'd have to go back and look at him again specifically, but it, it, it seemed like his better one of his better games, if not his best game at right back for us, especially defensively. You know, he, he the ex, him exposing you is always the problem there, but he he didn't do so um, against rather well, Obviously, you're playing a weaker opposition, but still he had to withstand some, and he did okay. So I, I'm I'm feeling better about that situation. Um, what was the first part of the question again? Who Sorry. plays centre back when who gets oh, his right. inevitable tenth booking? I mean, you know, right now I'm feeling like I'm feeling like Syriata and Pollock. I think though the likelihood is Porteous will be coming Porteous in. Porteous comes back. Yeah, yeah. I think that's this seems to be the favoured option. I I think at this point my theory is just that the Ismail likes the mobility aspect of Porteous. You know, actually, someone it's just a. I'm trying to stay on the line of this question, but I did see someone, I can't remember who it was, so I can't give the credit for this, um, but I saw someone ask, what what about Porteous at, at right-back, potentially? Oh, yeah. You know, Craig Cathcart-esque, and I, we, we, we lack a little bit, obviously, going forwards in that position. We haven't been overly utilising that right-back spot when when Dele Bashiri has been playing. Obviously, there's been some drifting into central positions in midfield and so on from him, but he doesn't get up the line the same way that Andrews does. There's, there's definitely some flexibility in terms of how we operate there, and it wouldn't surprise me if we saw that tried at some point this season, and you know potentially that might be a way that we find a little bit more comfort, comfort in having Portis in the team. It's not my overall preference in terms of how we kind of have the right-back playing. I think Andrews is the better option, but... It's an interesting point. Um, but yeah, just to, to finalise that, I think that the most likely situation is that Porteous comes back in. Most likely, a lot. it's hard to say, it's probably alongside Pollock just because he wants to keep Syriata as that, that option at, at number six. But it's really up in the air. I think my personal preference would actually be Syriata and Pollock. But yeah, what about you? Yeah, it's one of those ones where because who has been the, there all season it kind of seems like really dramatic that we're probably going to be missing him um, at some point I, I wouldn't have an issue with any of them coming in really I think probably on balance um, it will be Porteous and actually I'm okay with that because I think Sierra Alta and Pollock together that albeit who is a big chap I think Sierra Alta and Pollock together is a particularly slow immobile recipe for disaster potentially so actually Porteous Famous last words might be the better, might be the better option there, but it just goes to underline going back to the recruitment piece, how much of an error it's been and how fortunate we've been um, in in Hoot being available for as as long as he has been um, this season. Definitely. We've got on way with that one massively. Final one just from me. Next three up are Huddersfield, Millwall, and Swansea. All teams. 
to a greater or lesser degree, out of form, struggling, etc. How important are these kind of next three games to build a bit of momentum? What can we, uh, what can we kind of take from from those three? How important are they? They're very important. You know, I think from a fan perspective, I think we need to see what what we can do differently against these sorts of teams, and then how we can operate against a team that um, that we have to look to dominate a certain certain time, especially at home. That would be the idea. That would be the hope. Huddersfield is a, a good opportunity to start that. Obviously, playing against something different, aren't, aren't we? The back three and so on. We haven't played as much. We don't have great success against teams that play in that kind of compact way um, that Huddersfield are trying to achieve. Um, but, you know, they are vital. Right? I, I feel that it's going to be the best indication of how we can at least try and compete and, and push ourselves towards the top end of that ta- of the top half of the table and, and maybe push towards playoffs a little bit if possible. Because we have to play lots of teams that we, we do need to have occasions where we do where we do dominate. You know, as I said before, we don't have a lot of time. We are ahead of games. We, we're often finding ourselves in that position to chase, and that's when I question if we have that gear to step up into and and find ways to break these teams down. So if we've got a little bit of a run there to you know maybe try something different and, and see what we can we can work out and find, then then hopefully we get some some positive take from it. But the question is whether we can or not, or whether we even have the availability of the personnel we need to allow us to do so. Now, I'm, I'm very curious to see. I'm quite intrigued. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think they're they're huge in their own in their own way. If you take them as a collective, you know that we're only seven points off the playoffs at the moment. I don't think we're going to get there. Mm. But I t- I look back to the the Sean Dyche season. You know, we kind of didn't start very well and made a few signings we got there and by the end we hit our stride with you know 10 games or so to go I think Troy was scoring quite frequently from memory got a few kind of decent results and there was a real kind of brief flirtation with the idea we might get in the playoffs and to be honest with you even if we fall short and finish exactly where we are now but we flirt with it I think that just keeps the intrigue and among the supporters you know got something to buy into and something to believe in so yeah. yeah, I think getting points from those those three is going to be is you know, and they're all scrapping for their lives at the, at the bottom there, particularly obviously Huddersfield and Millwall. So it's going to be you know more important to them than it is to us. But we should be, you know, there's there's still thirteen games to go. So whatever that is, um, just under yeah. a, just over a third of the season. No, well Huddersfield are a, uh, Huddersfield are a weird one too because they've been draw draw win loss win loss so you know then a bit of a, a strange run yeah. Millwall obviously had a really bad and they lost four in a row yeah. Um, but yeah you know this again this you know you have to remember too in, in regards to the Rotherham game that was that was our first win in five wasn't it so it, hopefully that can at least give us something of uh, the cliche but something of a platform to build off the next few games at least maybe a little bit of extra confidence going into this one um, and yeah if we could if, you know if we come out of this if we came out of this next one of three or seven points, you feel a little bit differently about this team, perhaps. Brilliant, Jordan. Thank you. Let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much to everyone that has sent in questions for this week's show. Send them in any time. You don't have to wait for us to send uh, for, to send out a request to them. We will always try and cover as many of them as possible. We do enjoy that interaction. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. It's at WatfordPod, at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bodell, and at Messi Messiano. Take it easy and we will speak to you after the Huddersfield game.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 